Passages, I'm Rachel Powell, and this is Passages Voice. Well, welcome to Passages Voice. My name is Josiah McGee. I'm the Associate Director of the Alumni Education Division. We're very excited today to be joined by two very special guests from Ezra Aid, two University Fellows, Jordan and Ariella. They're here to tell us some more about their experience over the summer as University Fellows with Ezra Aid, as well as helping us better understand how passages participants can be involved with this humanitarian organization. So a warm welcome to both of you. Thank you very much for joining us in today's call. We look forward to hearing more about your experiences. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. You're welcome. You're very welcome. I do want to go ahead and get to know both of you a little bit before we talk about the organization. So if you could both tell us uh, where you're from and what you're studying in school and where you're currently studying. Uh, so my name is Ariella. I'm a sophomore from Long Island, New York, and I'm currently studying at Kenyon College, which is a small liberal arts school in, uh, in rural Ohio. Um, I'm studying English and creative writing along with political science. And over the summer, I was deployed in um, Kakama refugee camp in Kenya with Israel. Yeah, and uh, my name's Jordan Brown. I'm a senior here at Virginia Tech um, in, Vir in Virginia. Um, I'm studying communication and business management. Um, and over the summer, I was deployed in uh, Thessaloniki, Greece at uh, the Sindos Community Center for Refugees. Wonderful, wonderful. Sounds, sounds like both of you actually uh, were deployed working with refugees. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about ISRA Aid and what is the goal of the organization? Yeah, so ISRA Aid is um, essentially Israel's largest um, NGO, so non-governmental organization. They are apolitical, uh, meaning that they don't have any ties to the Israeli government. Um, and they really serve as a humanitarian organization that works all around the world and um, I think currently like 19 different countries uh, serving in all types of capacities. So whether that's uh, psychosocial, um, sort of like wash programs, uh, which is like water, sanitation, and hygiene, uh, really just providing um, whatever kind of support is needed after like huge disasters or uh, crises that happen around the world. Yeah, um, an example of what Israel Aid is doing right now, which uh, which you know maybe some people would have known from the news, is right now you know in the Bahamas there's a lot of humanitarian aid organizations that are being deployed. Israel was uh, Israel Aid was one of the first on the ground, um, and I know that currently they are providing relief to um, you know many different parts of of the community that was affected. Um, and uh, as, as Jordan said, something that's really um, important to keep in mind about Israel Aid is that, you know, serving in different capacities, for example, in Kenya, there's no natural disaster that, that happened, but sustainable relief is, um, is a huge part of what Israel does. So we see a lot of sustainability, um, but then also a lot of disaster relief in areas that need it. Um, so the spectrum of, of, you know, the different ways in which Israel aid aids, you know, different communities is, is quite vast. Um, and I think that that's really important to keep in mind when thinking about um, different communities uh, across the world and, uh, and the support that they are in need of. 
because Israel really does kind of hit all of the boxes. Sure. I'm curious about one of the terms that Jordan used, psychosocial, because I know that's a very critical component to what Israel Aid does and one of its unique abilities, I think, to serve these communities. So can you maybe explain what you meant by that term, Jordan? Um, yeah, so specifically what I learned um, while in Greece about like psychosocial support is just first understanding that these are trauma experiences that um, either like the refugees are going through or um, in Bahamas, for example, that the community members are going through. It's a trauma to have to lose people in your life, to lose your home. And so Israel recognizes that um, the mental health of people is very important. You can't recover from these types of disasters if mentally you're not capable of like processing it and understanding it. So I think they, they integrate these psychosocial programs through um, just reminding people that, hey, you're human at the end of the day, you can still smile, you know, you can still have fun. Um, and it's, you know, we all recognize that this is a trauma and this is something that you've gone through, but we're here to help you move forward from it. Um, which was, you know, super interesting to watch play out in Greece too, because it, it's not like we were giving one-on-one like therapy. And that's what I assumed it was going into the program. Um, but particularly in Greece, it was like integrating uh, sort of like questions within the English programs about like, what was your, your favorite memory from your childhood? And we would have the refugees write about that. So they get to sort of process the memory as they uh, practice their English at the same time. So integrating the two types of programs um, is all under the umbrella of like psychosocial support, I would say. Wonderful. That's really fascinating. I didn't realize that they actually integrated the programs that closely, but that's, that's a really, really interesting idea. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about the university fellowship because you've, you've already talked a little bit about what both of you were doing and it sounds really fascinating, but can you tell me what the university fellowship for Israel aid is and what the, the program entails and what you do as a part of that fellowship? Yeah, um, absolutely. So um, I know that the applications for the fellowship that uh, both Jordan and I did will be live and, you know, fairly, fairly soon. Um, it's available via Israel AIDS website um, and it's very accessible. Um, the, the fellowship, it's interesting. It's a, so it's a basically a year-long fellowship. Uh, the deployment is really only a small part of it, which seems, you know, kind of insane considering that it's such a significant experience. Um, but at the end of the day, that's not everything that, that the fellows are doing. Um, we're not just going and having this experience for two months over the summer. We're actually coming back and uh, raising awareness on our campuses. Um, you know, we're writing different blog posts and articles um, to highlight some of the experiences that, that we had over the summer, um, but also raising awareness of exactly, you know, what Israel's programs are doing in different parts of the world. Um, so the timeline of what the fellowship looks like is generally this is about the time where students have the chance to apply and then um in the spring you know once once they're notified of of um you know their acceptance and their deployment locations um you know there's a lot of preparation that goes into that um and um, part of this is, you know, for example, the 40, so the 14 fellows, um, 
you know, we would get together via a webinar um, and kind of um, before our deployments and kind of just talk about, you know, what our expectations are, um, you know, uh, how how all of these experiences um, will, you know, affect us in different ways. Um, something that's really important uh, that, that was a huge part of this fellowship is that um, Israel is very supportive of all of the fellows, um, no matter in which they were deployed. Um, and not only did we receive support from, you know, the the U.S. team um, and our own and our own, obviously, you know, our own countries. Um, but, you know, we would regularly check in with Israel staff uh, during the deployment. Um, coming back from uh, our locations, that's a huge part of this fellowship as well. Um, Jordan and I, um, we recently, uh, in early September, we saw, um, we, we had the chance to kind of reconvene. Um, so all 14 of us, um, you know, kind of, we had this chance in this space to uh, to discuss our experiences, to talk about uh, Israel in, in a larger sense, and to you know kind of hear about um, different programs in the field. Um, so, I think if I were to sum it up, you know, this fellowship is about outreach, and it's about raising awareness, and it's about um, you know very much engaging with different communities, um, but based on the experiences that we'd have during our deployment. Jordan, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, um, I guess I'll just, yeah, back it up a little bit, maybe explain what it is. So it is like the Humanitarian Fellowship through Israel, um, where they accept 14 different students from across the country, both US and Canadian, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and essentially you're signing up, like Ariel said, partly for a two month uh, summer intensive like a, a immersive experience. So you're sent to one of Israel's countries that they're working in. Um, you really don't get a choice in where you go, but that's sort of the fun part in it. Like I had no clue that I was going to Greece. Um, but yeah, they send you to a country where you're uh, tasked to work on one of the projects that they have set up. And um, I don't know, it's just one, a super rewarding opportunity to take part of. Like uh, I never imagined going and working in Greece um, with refugees and being able to tackle all the different projects that I did in two months. Um, but as Ariella was saying, it's, it doesn't just end after those two months are over and you come back to the States. Like our responsibility now here is to, you know, educate people what is happening in these countries um, to really spread the word about Israel and, and let people know like, Hey, there's an NGO out there fighting in plenty of countries and this, you can get involved. Um, so yeah that's just what I would add to it for sure thank you both that sounds like a wonderful program we're glad that you both got to participate in that it sounds like it was a very enriching experience but can you maybe walk me through a little bit how you chose to participate in and why did you want to do this program could you repeat that one more time yeah, I'm just curious how you chose to participate in the fellowship or why you wanted to be a part of this fellowship program. Yeah, so um, here at my university, I did join a um, service organization or certain fraternity, <laughs> um, but at Alpha Phi Omega and we're co-ed like national service frat. And so 
I don't know, my entire college career has been dedicated to serving in some kind of capacity each semester. Um, and sort of the semester leading up to Israel, I have been working on this um, ESL program with refugees. So that's like English as a second language where I would go and either sit with like parents or their children and like teach them English, teach them like common skills to um, operate in a rural town like this. So shopping and um, shopping in like supermarkets or filling out their students, like planners and report cards. Um, but so I heard about this opportunity through one of my brothers who participated it last year. And um, I just thought to myself, like, this is definitely like an area that I'm interested in going into, whether it be like international development or um, some kind of just like capacity where I can serve. And again, you don't know what project you're going to go into. Like Israel Aid had, I think 19 oper or currently operating programs. And so I fully thought like, oh, I'm going to go to like Puerto Rico and help with like a, a wash program because I had a little bit of experience with that. Um, but I just tell students like, if you're interested in being a humanitarian aid, then this is definitely a program that you're going to want to apply to um, because there's just projects, like I said, a vast amount that you can potentially be a part of or just create while you're on site. Like there's, the, the options are really limitless once you get to the site. Yeah, um, like Jordan, I, I heard about this fellowship through, um, through a student at my school who had been in the Philippines with Israel the summer before. Um, and this, I think that, you know, both of our experiences of, of learning about the fellowship really does speak to the power that outreach has once students get back to the States. And I know that uh, Jordan and I, along with the other fellows, are currently in that process of, you know, um, of, of raising awareness about this fellowship. Um, I remember, you know, she basically gave a very, very um, comprehensive presentation about what exactly she was doing in the Philippines. I know that she was working with, um, you know, beekeepers and uh, psychosocial support. What really, the, the, the part that really drew me into the fellowship was um, the student was speaking a lot about her, the flexibility that she had um, to kind of do her own projects or get involved in what she was interested in. And I think that for me, that was a huge theme because, you know, like Jordan said, you don't really know where you're going to end up. I had no idea that I would end up in, in Kenya. Um, and while there are programs and projects that fellows are automatically a part of, we do have the flexibility to kind of explore our own areas of interest. And, um, Something that really inspired me was when the student was giving her presentation, she was saying, you know, well, I had the ability to create my own journey, my own poetry workshops um, and kind of, you know, use that with what I was learning with psychosocial support. Um, and I really, really, that really did resonate with me. Um, and, you know, when I was in Kenya, I actually, I had the ability to, um, to kind of create some of my own projects. And um, I was really fortunate to, to have the support, you know, from, from the Kenya team. Um, I ended up leading a journaling and self-reflection workshop uh, for about 20 refugees who were adult facilitators with Israel. Um, and this was, you know, the, I think that this is part of the 
fellowship experience that 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 really did draw me in. Um, you know, I was part of the other programs. I you know very much was um, you know just as much as a, a part of the team, you know, with everything else that we were doing in terms of psychosocial support, uh, water and sanitation, child protection. Um, but I did have the ability to explore um, and to kind of make the experience very personal to me and not just as a fellow who was following, you know, some textbook or some outline of, of what this experience would look like. That's amazing. Yeah. That's- not necessarily normal that that level of flexibility is available. That's, that's that's wonderful. Jordan, you wanted to add something, I think. Yeah, I was gonna just like highlight what you said. There is no textbook way to be a humanitarian fellow, <laughs> um, and which is like I said, the, the beauty of it because you had no no set list of things that you're required to do where how to solve these uh, these challenges that came. Like to us because I mean like particularly we were working with refugees every day, um who were, like I said, very much traumatized and stuck in a position. And I remember like having to ask myself like or just tell myself and admit that I didn't know how to handle certain situations. Um, and not that it was a bad thing because this is where you know students who are interested in this field, you really get the chance to um, ask yourself these questions and grow and to um, experience types of opportunities because I don't know where where else are you going to get these kinds of uh, like I said opportunities from yeah um, I I just I, I will say that, and I think that Jordan and I are pretty much on the same page about this this fellowship you really get out of it as much as you put in and I think that that's true for for all of us you know no matter where we were deployed no matter what kind of programs we were a part of um, if you know I this is, you know, this isn't easy. It's, it's, it's absolutely challenging. You know, you're exposed to a different part of the world, you know, seeing people live very differently. You hear a lot of stories about past trauma and, uh, and experiences. Um, and I think that, you know, if you have these two months to, to truly be present and to truly try to understand as best you can and to truly, you know, support as, as best you can, um, the experience is incredibly rewarding, but you know it it, it takes some effort. It, it absolutely mm-hmm. takes some effort. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'd like to hear a little bit more about what you were working on over the summer, and we've we've kind of heard a little bit of snippets from both of you about some of the projects you worked on. But can you maybe just describe? a life in the day of a university fellow at your various programs. So Jordan, what, what was your kind of average day looking like? And then Ariella, what did your average day look like? Uh, I love this question. Okay, so um, I did work at a community center that operated from 9 a.m. till about 6 p.m. each day, Monday through Friday. And within this community center, uh, we taught classes such as English and Greek that went on all day long. So we had like beginners English, intermediate, beginners Greek, um, all different levels to accommodate for the, the refugees that were there. We also had a child-friendly space, so children as young as one years old um, all the way up until about 12 or, 12 or 13 got to have a space where they could play um, and craft and um, sort of just be a child. Uh, there was also a computer lab, so part of my day included like teaching somebody how to build a resume or you know uh, 
watching YouTube with some of the kids because that's just like something they <laughs> like to do. I mean, I like to do as well. I love YouTube. <laughs> um, but we also had a therapy room. So they were um, those intense sessions where you got to be able to sit and talk with a refugee and hear their three hour part of their story that maybe took like three hours long where you just really got to build those connections and work with them. Um, yeah, to answer a typical day was going for, yeah, going to this community center, uh, sort of picking and choosing which classes I wanted to sit into. Like some days I would really help the, the English teacher out because, of course, I speak English and not have other languages that were spoken in our center. Um, or some days I would go to the child-friendly space and just craft with students all day long. And I really get to just like be a child with them again. And um, then other days I would we were we got to develop a garden over the two months that I was there and so um I'm a big outdoor guy so that was really fun for me but it meant going out and uh actually like shoveling up the dirt and like planting seeds or taking care of the plants um and so there was no typical day like my day uh the two months was very dynamic and um, which was a very enjoyable part out of it because I never knew what to expect walking into the center. Like some days I would be approached by a refugee and he would say, you want to go get coffee? And I would spend four hours like talking to him. Um, and then other days, like I said, I would just sit in the classroom with a teacher and then help out as much as I can and in any capacity that I can. Yeah. Um, well, like Jordan, you know, I, my, I think that that it's definitely hard to sum up, you know, what a typical day looked like just because every single day was so wildly different. Um, and just for some context, um, you know, I was in Kakuma refugee camp. So this is Northwest Kenya. Um, there are over 190,000 refugees who are currently living there. Um, they mostly, um, mostly are South Sudanese just because of where the location of the camp is. Um, but I met a lot of refugees who were also from Rwanda, Burundi, um, Congo, Ethiopia. Um, and, you know, the, I think that the best way to, to kind of, um, you know, sum up what, what Israel does there and what I was a part of is, you know, we can't focus our efforts on every single aspect of humanitarian aid. Um, so what we did a lot of was we worked with mostly children and um, and and women's empowerment. Um, so under the sectors of child protection, uh, women's empowerment, um, and psychosocial support, we were able to kind of, um, you know. Uh, get our hands on a lot of different projects and a lot of different programs. Um, and Jordan touched on this. Um, the child-friendly spaces were a huge part of, of, of my experience in Kenya. Um, these are basically centers um, that Israel runs within the camp um, where children have unstructured time to, uh, to play, to make friends, and to engage with one another. Um, a huge part, you know, what what I think that what all of the fellows took away from 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 their experiences, and and especially, you know, um, in a place like Kakuma, you know, sustainability is a huge aspect of um, of 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 humanitarian aid work, especially there. Um, so, in order to promote sustainability, um, the, the Israel aid in Kenya. Um, basically trains adult refugees to become facilitators and to work in these uh, child-friendly spaces. Um, 
And a lot of what I would do was just mostly support them in their endeavors. You know, so a really good example of what sustainability would look like is, you know, instead of me going in there and, uh, and, and leading activities or, um, or, you know, uh, deciding what the structure of the day would be, I would mostly be there just to support the facilitators and to do, you know, whatever they needed me to do. So whether that was to support them in leading, um, you know, an activity for the children um, or to just sit and, and rewind and just to, you know, and just to talk for, you know, for a good half an hour or an hour about, you know, experiences or stories or how they were feeling. Um, you know, I, like Jordan said, I really had no idea what to expect um, going into my day, but I knew that a lot of it would be structured around these child-friendly spaces. Um, and something that I mentioned earlier was women's empowerment. So, Israel Aid Kenya is currently working on um, different initiatives to uh, to basically raise awareness uh, within the camp, and a way that they're doing this is through menstrual hygiene management workshops, which are um, which are I you know from 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 my experience they're incredibly helpful to the women who. Uh, who are who are who are mothers who had never really had an open space to talk about menstruation before or how to take care of themselves uh, during menstruation um, in many communities as I as I you know I spoke to a lot of these women and I learned that uh, in many communities you know this is considered taboo so they don't get the proper education that that they should receive. Um, and um, a lot of the time they end up just not knowing. So these workshops and these trainings are um, a really, really helpful way for women who did not get the proper education to, you know, to basically to be on the same page. Um, so I did a lot of work with, you know, child protection, women's empowerment. As I mentioned before, I had the opportunity to lead some of my own workshops. Um, but I, I will say that even though you know, every day was wildly different from, 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 you know, the day before. Um, I will say that every day was very hands-on. Um, and I know that Jordan can, you know, speak to this as well. I was interacting with people daily. I was hearing stories every single day. Um, even though I did spend time in the office doing, you know, basic office work and evaluations and assessments and, uh, you know, blog posts and things like that. Um, I was interacting with people every single day and really getting that experience as well. Fantastic. That's wonderful. It, I can tell already, I think, what may be the answer to this next question, just based on the way that you've talked about the programs you're a part of. But can you both tell me what was the most challenging and the most rewarding part of your experience over the summer? Um, I'll start with the most rewarding part because I feel like that is a result of the challenge. But um, it was definitely being able to be culturally immersed in five, like uh, in, with all the different refugees and just the Greek community. Um, and the center that I worked at, we had from Syria, from Afghanistan, from Iran, um, from Northern Africa and Central Africa, all, all different people who had came together and met in Greece to somehow come to this community center. Um, and then here I was, in a, an American college student who got to experience that. 
Um, and so it was a challenge because I didn't speak the language. I didn't know how to communicate or the customs or um, I didn't know how to connect the way that I wanted to initially. Um, but what I, what I learned and what was rewarding is that they want to connect with you. You know, they don't want to be known as a refugee. They want to be known as a person. Um, and so once you make that switch in your head, you know, you get over your own self-challenge. I'm the outsider here. I don't know how to help. Then you really, uh, you get the reward out of it, which is we're all kind of outsiders to each other, you know, but that's not the point of this. The point is to come together and to, to be one um, and to, to help with you. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, um, you know, that's, <laughs> it's it's so interesting, uh, you know, Jordan and I were in, you know, completely different places, and yet a lot of what, what he's saying is very much resonating with, with my experience. Um, I think that, you know, going into it, I really didn't know what to expect, and I didn't know how well I would be able to connect with, with the community at large. Um, and, you know, this is, this is something that, that, that happened so quickly. I think that the adjustment to, to that environment and just to the people, um, it was so, it was so intense and so quick. And I felt, you know, even within less than a week, um, that I, I was already making meaningful connections with whether it was with the refugees or with other uh, humanitarian aid workers, or obviously, you know, with the Israel Aid Kenya team. Um, interacting with people, as I said before, was a huge part of my role as a fellow. You know, I was conducting impact assessments and evaluations, and I was talking to people and interviewing people, or just having, you know, very informal conversations um, about people's experiences. Um, being able to establish yourself, you know, while being an outsider, as a person that that people can trust and talk to and open up to was so significant um and and you know i might even say transitional uh from my experience um i was regularly hearing stories about trauma but also and this is where the rewarding part comes in also stories about resilience um and seeing that firsthand seeing all of these uh different humanitarian aid ngos um working towards building sustainable programs, seeing the effects of those sustainable programs, seeing how people benefit um, from even from a menstrual hygiene management workshop, you know, to see that knowledge sink in and 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 to to talk to someone and to hear them say, now I know what to do. Now I know that I will go back to my community and I will tell this to my neighbors. I will share this information with with the people who live around me. I will share this information with my family so that they will know as well. Um, that resilience and that strength, um, that I think that that that, that was enough to 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 make my experience so much more rewarding. Um, and I don't know, I, I, you know, it's, it's it, like I said, you know, I, I heard a lot of stories, I talked to a lot of people. A lot of this was just seeing and just experiencing and taking a step back and really looking and seeing, like I am very much experiencing the positive effects of what sustainability is doing for these people. Um, and I think that that was just very significant for me. Hmm. And, I, and I think for both of us, it's uh, 
or uh, yeah, we, we sort of regained a sense of hope I did after this. Um, because then going into the program, you just think about the worst like disasters out there, the worst humanitarian crisis. Um, and you just, you expect the worst of person going in. But as we mentioned, this is a sustainable program. And Israel's motto, or their motto is like first in, last out. And you can see that like, I was there for two months, but when I leave, the students are still gonna have a class to attend to. You know, they're, the, they're still gonna get the psychosocial support that they need for years. Um, and that for me, uh, seeing that like sustainability and that it did, it restored a sense of hope that like the world is shifting to a better place, even though it's hard to see that from our American perspective sometimes. You know, there are people on the ground that are working and fighting and care about them as much as like we do. Um, and yeah, I just, I love being hopeful at the end of it all. You know, it's easy to sit and spiral down to this negative like circle and like, oh, they're, they're, they're waiting for asylum. They might be waiting three or four years. And yeah, that's a fact. And, um, but it's not the end result for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that that's that, that was also a huge part of, of my experience. And um, I will also say, you know, I think that that it is interesting to talk about the you know American mindset, uh, what we think of when we think of refugee camp. If we haven't, you know, been to one before um, or, or or had that experience, um, and you know, absolutely, there are challenges. Hakuma is not an easy place to live at all it is um like i said northwest kenya it's um extremely hot when the rainy season comes around the roads get flooded uh you know people's makeshift homes break down um you know there are challenges every single day um whether it's physical like that or whether um you know it's emotional i mean think about you know having to leave uh you know your home due to political instability or violence and having to settle in 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 this place that might be temporary might be permanent might probably be permanent um, because there are just so many people and so many families, and it is very easy to feel hopeless. Um, and I will be very honest, if the people that I met, if the refugees that I met were hopeless, then I'd probably feel hopeless as well. But they weren't. And that's the difference. That's absolutely the difference. And this is something that I can say coming out of this experience. Um, and like I said, you know, seeing it firsthand, but also talking to people, they are filled with so much hope. Um, for themselves, for a better future, for a more sustainable future. Um, they are, you know, they're, no one is wallowing in, in, in negativity or self-pity. Mm. Um, I remember leading the journal and self-reflection workshop and, um, you know, I asked if anyone would like to share and uh, one, you know, one one adult stood up and, and, and he read out loud from, from the prompt that he chose and, uh, and I remember, you know, this very much stuck with me. He, he, he looked at us and, and he started reading. And, and part of what he was reading was, um, you know, my future is so bright. Uh, and, and, and he, you know, he, he really, really embodied that. And, you know, even as someone who was only there for two months, you know, like I said, there are challenges and it's not easy at all. Um, but there is so much hope and there is so much resilience and there is already positive change that is happening. Um, and I think that that's the significant part. And that's what, that's really what I took away from this experience. 
Yeah. Wonderful. Just, no. <laughs> um, it goes back to what we said earlier. Like, you get in, you get in, uh, yeah, you get out what you put into this situation, into this experience. And, um, you know, Israel is definitely looking for students who are ready to lead these and ready to take on these challenges. Um, and, and I just, I'm flushed with memories right now from the refugees. They, they motivate you to succeed, to do better, to help them. Like they're really the reason that I was able to have a successful um, fellowship and seeing how, like you said, resilient they are, how willing they are to wake up every day to go to a class that they're not required to take. They're not required to go to these lessons, um, but they still do it. And so you definitely want to be um, a resource for them as, as long as you can. Yeah. You take out what you put in. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, both of you, for, for sharing some of your memories and your stories with us. We really appreciate it. I, I just have one last question for you. I know the University Fellowship Program, obviously, is a competitive program, so we're going to encourage our alumni to apply for it, but are there any other ways that you can think of that passages participants and alumni can perhaps support what Israel Aid is doing or be involved in the work the organization is doing? Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, um, Israel Aid has a huge network of um, of of people who um, who who basically, you know, would love to talk about their experiences uh, or, or just Israel aid, you know, in general on campus. Um, and that is something that is very accessible. Um, this network is comprised of, you know, Israel aid staff members or fellows like, uh, you know, like me and Jordan. Um, and, you know, depending on what students are looking for or what kind of experience they're um, they're looking to get, um, you know, awareness and and campus participation is something that is uh, is is very accessible. Um, I know that you know um, if students are more looking for just kind of um, you know. I guess connecting with a fellow, um, having a fellow talk about their personal experiences uh, with Israel aid—that is something that can easily be done. Um, or if they want to know more about humanitarian aid in general, um, or just you know the different crises that are that are um, that are happening around the world right now, um, bringing in a spokesperson from the organization who can speak more to that um, is also an option. So depending on what students are looking for or what their campuses are looking for, um, hosting a speaker from Israel whether it's a fellow or um, or just you know a spokesperson, someone who works for the organization, um, that is something that um, that that is absolutely an option um and it's um you know in order to do this it's it's available via uh the website i know that um it's it's very easy to connect with uh with fellows or or with um you know the organization itself um so you can host an israel speaker in your community that's an option on the website um or just by you know reaching out um looking for any kind of campus engagement programs that's something that that i would definitely say um is an option for students yeah and i think following that it's just we live in a digital world right now so following israel on instagram and facebook and really staying in touch with the work that we're doing um because i know currently push right now is go to bahamas and we've got fundraisers going left and right trying to save money because 
we're trying to raise money um, because we are an NGO, so there's no profit motive behind it, but we need the support of people to keep these programs going. Um, so yeah, follow us, uh, ask us questions, um, questions, but yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I loved hearing your stories about your experiences. And I'm so glad that you were able to do that. You were able to, to share it with us as well. And again, we, we appreciate your time and look forward to hearing more from you in the future and, and more about what is your aid is doing. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Josiah. To learn more about how to get involved, visit passagesisrael.org backslash pulse. From Passages, I'm Rachel Powell. Thank you for listening.